Well, good morning, CityGate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are in the final part of our incredible series on the life of Elisha. And I've loved this series. I love getting into, into how people think and, and the engine that really stirs on the inside of them. And Elisha has, has been such an incredible inspiration and a real challenge as well. He's a man who lived for other people. He's a man who inspired people. He was a man who was in touch with the power of God because he was in touch with the heart of God. So today we're going to um, uh, finish this, this series. And I want to speak to us today about it's time to press in. And I'd like you to turn in 2 Kings chapter 13, actually. I know we've been in chapter 6 and 7 for some time, but now we're going all the way over to chapter 13, which is the end of Elisha's life. And it says from verse 14, it says, Elisha had become sick with an illness of which he would die. Then the king of Israel came down to him and he cried, he poured out, he wept over Elisha's face and said, oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Here he goes again. I think we're getting the hang of this king of Israel. Everything falls apart and he sort of, you know, he goes into despair so quickly. And Elisha said to him, he said, I want you to take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow so he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said to him, open the east window. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from uh, Syria. He says, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you utterly destroy them. Then he said, I want you to take the arrows. So the king took the arrows and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. And Elisha was very angry with the king and he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you will only strike Syria three times. And then Elisha died and they buried him. And some bands from... Um, and Moab, they came to the land in the spring of the year, and it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied the band of um, this enemy coming along. And it says they put this man who had died in the tomb of Elisha quickly. And as the man was let down, he touched the bones of Elisha and he revived and he stood upon his feet. That is an incredible end of life for Elisha. Um, but it's also quite sad, I think. Um, it ends with Elisha getting angry. It ends with him trying to inspire this king of Israel and the king still doesn't get it. And then, you know, Elisha's in the grave and incredibly a man is raised from the dead. And all the way through this passage, it, it is, it's really stirring me to say, come on, we've got to be people who press in and, and to avoid being people who are just really casual about the things of God or the things of the kingdom of God, or the things that God has for our own lives. It's an incredible account. This was a man who knew how to press in. He pressed into the life of Elijah and said, I want the double portion. He really pressed into the things of God and he was prepared to leave where he lived and go off with a whole new generation just to inspire them and to stay with them. He pressed in in so many ways. He pressed in in his compassion for his enemies. He pressed into his relationship with God. And here we are at the end of his life. And we find again, the king is falling apart. He doesn't seem to really understand that he can get hold of God for himself. 
Um, and so he hears that Elisha's about to die. And he seems to think, well, all of the victory that I've been able to have, all of the great things that have happened in the last few years have happened because of Elisha. And now Elisha is going, I'm left with nothing. And that's a very sad thing because he could have had a relationship with God for himself. On the outside, he did all the right things so often. He worshipped and he prayed and he did these things. But on the inside, we really find out here there wasn't a lot there. So I want us to go through just a few points here today for us to understand how we can learn from this to avoid being like the king and how we can stir ourselves in order to lay hold of everything that God has for us. And I want to encourage you, you know, as you're um, online now as we're going through this passage that you know today's your day now's the time to press into God don't say another four months in the harvest don't say well perhaps in five years time I'll start to stir myself up no come on God's alive today he's on your life right now and if you're online here I believe God wants to stir something in all of our hearts today for us to press in and lay hold of everything that God has for us so the first point today is this it is the arrow of victory. Arrows in the Bible speak of so many things, but they primarily speak of the fact that God's word goes out from God's mouth or out from our mouths to bring incredible victory. And that's the case here. These arrows speak of the victory and of the deliverance of God. And I want to encourage you today, the sword of the word of God is not blunt. God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides our lives up. God's word is creative. God's word is redemptive. God's word is all-powerful. The Bible says he's even exalted his word even above his name. And here we find arrows. And arrows are a bit like a sword you throw. Can I put it like that? A bit like a spear. And the Bible talks a lot about the arrows of the enemy. And, you know, we have that incredible shield of faith which quenches all the fiery darts, the fiery arrows. But again, those are spoken words. So here, what Elisha was trying to stir in the heart and in the life of the king was the fact that our God is a God of victory and God wanted the king to win. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've come through. I don't know what's happening for the rest of this year. But what I do know is this, that our God is a God, of, of, um, a God who will always lead us from faith to faith. He will always lead us in the victory. And he does that by his word. It's God's word in our heart and in our mouth. Say, so, oh, Pastor Jay, I've heard you say that a thousand times. And I'm going to say it a thousand more. Because God's word in our heart is not just about opening the Bible and getting a verse. It's about hearing the voice of our Heavenly Father. You know what Christ said to his disciples? Who do people say that I am? And they started to spout off things they'd heard, things people had preached perhaps, or, or things other people had been inspired by. But one man, the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it really took the Lord by surprise. He said, wow. He said, Peter, you are so blessed. You're empowered. You're now rock-like. Why? Because you've heard from your Father in heaven. And it has to be the most important thing in our lives. We can talk about being led by the Spirit. Well, that means hearing the voice of God. You know, we speak about faith, 
But faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So many things come back to the fact that we need to be able to discern what God is saying to us individually, as a family, as a church, even as a nation. God wants to speak right into the middle of your situation. And this is the arrow of the Lord. And here in the Old Testament, obviously they were doing something and it was very active. So he didn't just tell the king something. He said, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get you to get hold of this. I want you to do something with me. I want you to get some arrows. I want you to open the window. We'll go through this. I want you to fire the arrow. I want you to strike the ground. Why? He wanted every part of this king's experience to be in tune with what God was doing. And I want to encourage you that God doesn't just want to, you know, have a, a still small voice in your heart. He wants to absolutely impact your whole being. He wants to impact your emotions. He wants to impact your mind. He wants to impact your decisions. He wants to impact your family life. He wants to impact your finances. And so often God will do something in order to teach us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I've gone through life and, and I haven't really seen what God's wanted to show me. Other times I have. But I want to grow better at this stuff. I want to grow better at being able to discern what God is saying to me. And that's my prayer for you as well. And so here is Elisha. And he's saying, get these arrows. That speaks of God's word. It speaks of the anointing of God. It speaks of the gift of God, really. It, it speaks about the... the um, inference here is that God is going to bring an incredible uh, victory depending on what the king does with these arrows. And I want to ask you today, what arrows have you got? Of course, you've got the word of God. But what is it that God has given you that needs to be fired out of your life? All the time it's in your quiver, it's not going to achieve anything. All the time it's lying on the floor, it's not going to achieve anything. An arrow has been designed and created to be fired from a bow. And it's got to hit the mark. You know, somebody said to me for years, your life has got to hit the mark. The arrow that God has made you to be, the arrow of your words, the arrow of your prayers, the arrow of your fasting, the arrow of your, of your giving, the arrow of how you fire the life of God out of your life has got to hit the mark. Don't miss the mark. We're not doing scatter shots here with a shotgun. We're like snipers. We're absolutely on target. And I want to encourage you that your life this year is going to hit the target in Jesus' mighty name. See, arrows are released out of our lives in so many ways. In that incredible sermon, the Sermon of, on the Mount, there are three times that Christ says this, when you, and then he gives three things. And the first one was when you pray. You see, prayer is like an arrow. As you pray, you hit the target in order to change the circumstance or you hit the target in order to give God something to work with for God to change your own life. Prayer is incredibly powerful, but it can also be very specific. And I want to encourage you, we talk a lot in Citygate about, again, hearing the voice of God in order to pray specifically. I love to pray in tongues. I pray in tongues all the time, whether I'm in my car or at home at, home at my desk instead of here at my desk. Um, you know, and I'll just be speaking in tongues. And I'm just allowing God's spirit just to, you know, to pray through me. But then you know what? God wants to sharpen those prayers up. And as we pray in the spirit, it means our, our 
intellectual prayer, our prayer with understanding can be more accurate. You know, there are times when it's just, you know, it's just like, oh Lord, I pray, you know, I pray for the nation, I pray you bless, uh, you know, you, you bless the Prime Minister. Lord, I, I pray for the church in the UK that it arises and shines. And it's quite a general prayer. But there are other times when it's like an arrow coming out of my mouth and I know I'm being really specific and I know I'm really hitting a target in order to be very detailed to change something. You see, God is a prayer answering God. But God also wants us to pray specific prayers. So many times in the Bible, a person was led to pray a specific prayer to bring a specific turnaround. And our God wants to inspire us and cause those arrows to come out of our lives. Our complete and utter uh, victory will come this year as we know how to pray and as we launch those arrows. He also said this in the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, he said, when you pray, you pray like this, and when you fast, you do it like this. You know, fasting doesn't change God, changes us, helps us to tune in, but it's like an arrow. As we fast, we are releasing the arrows of God's word in the most powerful way out of our lives. And the third thing that he said in that Sermon on the Mount is when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. I don't know if you've ever seen your, your um, offerings out of your life or your giving, not just financially, but that's the context of the verse there, but in every way that we give. Your giving can be like an arrow to bring incredible victory. I want to encourage you in this time, whether you think there's a famine out there or not, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundredfold. He, you know, he poured out in a time of famine when everybody else was trying to escape down to Egypt. He kept on going. He kept on sowing. And the Bible is really clear. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Why don't you give some encouragement to somebody? Why don't you give some joy to somebody? Why don't you give some finances to somebody? Come on, as you give, you're firing an arrow out of your life. God's word is released. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will follow. That's where your heart goes as well. So arrows, very powerful things in God's word. Very powerful. The Bible even sort of speaks about us being fiery arrows, flaming arrows, not like the enemies, but just an incredible, you know, flame of fire. Our lives can be as God's word is stirred in our hearts. The second point today, as we move on, and I love this one, I've got, I've got five really exciting points here. And the, the second one is it's my turn now. And I want to say it's your turn now. It's our turn now. Um, here, Elisha is trying again to stir the king. <laughs> he's tried so many times before. The king just doesn't seem to get it. So he's trying again. And he's saying, okay, king, take for yourself the arrows. Take for yourself a bow. He says, open up the window for yourself. And then he says, you shoot out the arrows. And it says the king, he took for himself a bow. He opened the window and he shot the arrow. So he started to do something for himself. And I don't know, at this point, perhaps Elisha was thinking, at last. At last, the king is starting to do something for himself. He's not just, you know, dependent on me. But we do find a little verse here that it says Elisha 
put his hands on the king's hands. So obviously there was help there. Elisha was saying, okay, I'm going to take you step by step through this. And there are times in all of our lives where we need a push. I don't know about you, but there are times I've needed a push. Just the other day, somebody said something to me and it really pushed my life in a good way. He said, come on, I won't say what he said, but it was a personal conversation, but it was a push. It was a provocation in my life. And we all need people who can give us a bit of a push sometimes. I don't believe that our whole lives should be somebody behind us, you know, having to push, push, push every step of the way. Something's got to change at some point that we start to get some engine going in our own lives. But for here, it was like, okay, let's start. King, I want you to get the arrows, the bow, open the window and fire the arrow. And I'm gonna put my hands on your hands. I'm gonna give you a little push. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you to do this. And I thank God for the people that have pushed my life. And I pray to God that I'm able sometimes to push some other people's lives, not to be intense and, and oppressive, but you know, to give you know, somebody a little nudge sometimes. And I'm sure God wants to use all of us in that way. But he said to the king, I want you to take hold for yourself. And that's the important thing. It's our turn now. You see, up until this point, Elisha had been doing it all. The king really had been doing nothing. He'd been falling apart time and time again, in despair, didn't know what to do. So Elisha was saying, okay, I'm going to give you a little push. I'm going to put my hands on your hands, but I want you on the inside of yourself to start to get this mentality. It's my turn now. It's my turn now. I'm going to do this myself now. I know as our kids grow up, there's, you know, a transitionary time. And it's a good time, but it's a stretching time when all kids go through it that they start to want to have a bit of independence. It's my turn now. Oh, mum, oh, dad, don't make all my decisions for me. Yeah, I know you've told me a thousand times to clear my room. I know I've got to clear my room. And there's that time, isn't there, where it becomes, it isn't, it isn't that they're just doing things to be told, you know, because they're told to do it. It's because they're starting to take some responsibility on the inside. And I believe that the body of Christ needs to go further in this area of taking responsibility for what God wants to do in our generation. Absolutely, God is pouring out his spirit. Absolutely, we're in a time, I believe, where revival wants to break out all over the place. Absolutely, the hand of God is upon our churches and upon our lives. And he's saying, come on, I want you to go for it. Come on, I want you to preach. Come on, I want you to lay hands on the sick. Come on, I want you to be generous. Come on, I want you to shine as a light. And it's as if God is gently pushing and gently pushing pushing, but I believe it's our turn now for there to be something to stir up on the inside that says, you know what? I'm going to take the arrows. I'm going to take the bow. I'm going to open the window and I'm going to shoot. I'm going to start to take some responsibility for my own life, for the word of God in my own life, for the gifting God's given me, for the grace there is upon my life, for the anointing that there is. I don't know, to destroy yokes and remove burdens, to be the mum God's called me to be, to be the dad, to be the brother, to be the sister, the husband, the wife, to be the office worker, to be the school teacher, you know, to be the accountant, to be the doctor or the nurse. Come on, it's our time now. It's our turn now to say, I am going to lay hold of everything God has for me and I'm going to fire this arrow and I'm going to hit the mark. Those three things really inspire me. The bow, as I've been thinking about this just recently, the bow really speaks of your life. 
You see, if the arrow is God's word, if the arrow is like, you know, that incredible gifting, that incredible thing that God has given you to win and to see people come to Christ or to turn your world upside down, if the arrow is the gifting, it's God's word, then the bow has to be our life. Yes, there's a, a spiritual side to all of us and there's, a, and there's the anointing and there's God's word, but there's a very natural human side to all of us. And that speaks to me of the bow, really, of my mind, my will, my emotions, my physical body. It's the vessel to fire the arrow. It needs to be handled well. It can't be cracked anywhere. If you have a cracked bow and you pull it back, that, that whole thing's just going to splinter. If you don't know how to use it, it can be a very dangerous thing. But in the hand of somebody who's skillful and who knows how to aim, it's an incredibly powerful thing. I can fire an arrow far, far further than I can throw it. If I just had an arrow here and I tried to throw it, it wouldn't go straight. It would go all over the place. It wouldn't go very far. I could probably get from here a few meters. I don't know. But if I put it in the bow, there's something about the bow, which means when I pull it back and then I let go, there's power in the bow to propel the arrow. And that's a bit like our lives. As our lives are surrendered to God, as we press into the things of God, as we lay hold, as we, as we say, Lord Jesus, your will, not my will be done. Your kingdom empower my life. Holy Spirit, let the grace of God transform me. You know what? As we, as we strengthen our bow, God's word can fly out of our lives in the most amazing way. You know, far further than we could just do it in, in some half-hearted way. You know, that strength of bow in our lives can propel God's word into the next generation. That strength of the bow in our own lives can pro you know, propel that arrow right into the enemy's camp. Don't underestimate what God can do with your life as you see your life as a bow to propel the word of God into your world. He said, open the window. And he opened the window for himself. That really spoke to me of our direction in life. He said, open the east window. It's really important that we know which way to aim. And that comes as we spend time with the Holy Spirit. What direction is your life going in? See, it's not just a matter of, well, I just live in some casual way. Everything about this passage to me speaks of wholeheartedness, speaks of going for it in a big way. And our direction in life is really important. God directs all of our footsteps. He's ordered all of our footsteps. But he wants us to know the direction in which we're going in. Lord, is that the way or is that the way? I had a prophetic word years ago about my path was going down. This was probably 25 years ago. I was going down a road and then the path divided and one way went into glory and one way um, into a pit, not into hell or anything, but one got really messy and one went into glory. And I thought, I really pray I get that direction right. Um, that's obviously quite a big prophetic word, and I believe I did. I heard from God that year about something. But you know what? Every day I want to know, Lord, is this the way? Is this the east window I should be opening today? A few months ago, I spoke on doors of opportunity. And um, again, it's important to know the right doors to open. And here, Elisha said, open the east window. 
open it towards the east in the window. Open up the east window. And um, I thank God he didn't open up the west window, if there was one, or the north or the south one. There was something special about the east window. And I want to encourage you, as God speaks to you, be specific about the direction of your life. Pray and seek God. Ask other people about the direction of your life. Make quality decisions according to God's word on the direction of your life. Because the Bible says this, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter, goes up and up, we could say, the high calling of God. As we know the direction that God is speaking to us about, our arrows can land where they need to land. And of course, he said to shoot the arrows. That to me speaks of opportunity. Come on, God wants us to release our arrows at the right time, at the right target, to see situations turn around. This brought a victory. And I believe as we, as we are a, an effective bow, as we release the arrow of God's word, as we're pointing in the right direction, and as we shoot the arrow, you know what? God's going to bring you victory in every, every situation you find yourself in. The third point today is this. What is on the inside? So the king here, he was having a gentle nudge. He was being pushed, wasn't he? He was being gently encouraged. Come on, Elisha put his hands on. He said, now I want you to do something. Open the window, get the bow, get the arrows. But now I want you to fire. And when you let go, I'm going to let go. See, Elisha was helping him. And I want to ask myself today this question, but I want to ask all of us. Is our life the sum total of just what other people inspire us to be and they encourage us to be? There's push, 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 push. Or is there something on the inside of us? See, we all need a push, and I've already said that today. But that needs to get the ball rolling. It needs to get the car moving. Have you ever had to push start a car? Have you ever had to, I've had to push start a car a number of times and help other people to push start a car. And, you know, you have to put all your en energy in to push it, but the idea is that the engine starts going. You, you know, you let the clutch up second gear, the engine engages, and there's energy on the inside of the car. Something kicks into being. Again, this didn't happen with the king. See, Elisha was pushing, but there wasn't anything on the inside of the king to pull. I've said this so many times, it's easy to preach in Citygate Church where people pull on the Word of God. It's a very sad thing when we need to push people into responding, or they need to push people to praise God, or we need to push people to pray, or we need to push people to fast, or we need to push people to give, or we need to push people to serve. It gets very wearing. I know in my own family, if I have to keep on pushing my kids to do something, it gets really upsetting and you think, where's your heart in this? My kids are wonderful and hopefully they're hearing this and they're learning some things. But, you know, so many times you think, oh, I just seem to have to push at this all the time. I seem to have to push at it. I say, oh, come on, will you do this or will you do that? And, and it gets very wearing sometimes. But you know what? When there's a pull on the inside and somebody says, what can I do for you? It's like a breath of fresh air. Somebody's actually saying, I want to pull on what's going on. It, you know, it would have been great here if the king had said, I want to get a bow. I want to get some arrows. I want to open the east window. But it was all a push. Now, that's fine to get started, but that's where it ended with this king. 
Elisha's hand was on the king's hand. For the first time, that's fine. But then he carries on and he says to the king, now I want you to carry on. I want you to strike the ground. Now there's some discussion about whether he meant just grab hold of the arrows and hit the ground with them, or whether it means I want you to take all the other ones now and fire them. I want you to take every other arrow out of your quiver and I want you to fire all of those arrows. And the king just did three when he had more in his quiver. But the point is this, all he did was what he was pushed to do. All he did was what he was encouraged to do. And Elisha said, come on, this is the first one, but now it's your turn. Now there's more opportunity. And the king just got three arrows, fire, 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 and gave up. He didn't have anything on the inside. He only, I could put it like this, he only praised God when he was encouraged to or pushed to. He only prayed when he was pushed to. He only fasted when he was pushed to. He only served when he was pushed to. He only told somebody about Jesus when he was pushed to. Come on, I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to go to a whole new level around the nation, around the world. And I know it's already awesome, but come on, there's more to go where it's not just we're pushed to do things, but there's something so stirred on the inside. We're saying, come on, I want to get another arrow. I want to fire another arrow. And we keep putting our arm back and firing arrows until there's nothing left until we've spent everything that God's given us, till we've prayed every prayer we can pray, till we've fasted all the fasting we can fast, till we've given all the gifts we can give. Come on, that we're so stirred to just let the flood out. Ah, oh, sadly, this guy gave up. Point number four on this is don't give up. This king gave up three times, three times, whether he just went bang, 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 or whether he fired three animals, arrows, you know, however it went, he fired three and gave up. And it says this, it says, Elisha was angry with him. And he said, you should have done it five or six times. You should have kept going. But because you've only done it three times, you're only going to have three victories. And that's what happened just after this account. He, you know, he won three times and then he didn't have any more successes. I sometimes, you know, think um, how many successes I could have had if I'd kept on going. Not if somebody kept pushing me, but if I'd said, come on, I'm going to get up and go again. I'm going to get another arrow. I'm going to pray another prayer. I'm going to give another gift. I'm going to fast another time. I'm going to do this again, not because I need to, because I'm being told to, but because I believe in this. I believe there's power in arrows and I'm going to fire as many as I can. It certainly wasn't a lack of God's provision that he only won three times. It wasn't a lack of God's victory. It wasn't a lack in the anointing or the power of God. It was simply because this king, he gave up. And I want to encourage you today, do not give up. Do not give up with what God's called you to do. Don't just tap the ground three times. Don't just fire three arrows. Keep firing till you've got nothing left. Elisha was angry because, I don't even think it was because he thought you're only going to win three times because Elisha was about to die. I don't think he really was thinking about that. He was thinking about this is my last chance for this king to get hold of something for himself. And again, he's come up short. 
And I know that's a bad thing, and I know it's not a very positive, we, we're coming to the end of this, of this sermon here today, but, but I think Elisha was crying out on the inside for this king to get it. He's saying, come on, will you get something on the inside? Will you stir it up? Will you understand that you determine all the victories that happen in your life as you speak God's word, as you propel God's word, come on, you can stir it up, king. You can do this, king. And the king did it three times. No wonder Elisha was angry because he realized the king had nothing on his insides. Now, I'm encouraged today. I know here in Citygate and around the world, the church has got a lot on the inside. But I still want to take this as a provocation and an encouragement today to do everything we can with everything we've got in Jesus' mighty name. Don't just fire arrows out of duty. Don't just praise God because you need to. Let a heart of faith grow and explode on the inside that says, you know what? I'm not just doing this because I've been told to. I'm doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because I'm in love with my God and I want to see his kingdom come and his will be done in the most amazing way. Keep firing your arrows. Don't give up for anything. Don't stop for anybody or for anything. Keep the window open and keep firing the arrows of God's word out of your life. And finally today, as we close, point number five, you find at the very end of the story of the account here, Elisha, Elisha dies. His time's come and gone. And he's in the grave. And there's this incredible situation where a dead man is quickly thrown down into Elisha's grave because this enemy's coming. They quickly throw him in and they run away. And this man is raised from the dead. And it's amazing. It's, it's incredible to think that there was still the anointing power of Almighty God on the bones of Elijah. That's incredible. And of course, that's a positive thing. It was certainly a positive thing for that man. He came back to life, and I don't know if he had a family or whatever. It's an incredibly positive thing. But you know what? A part of me says it's a really sad thing. Because Elisha, he carried his anointing to the grave. He wasn't able to pass it on. You see, Elisha is this incredible man who had this passion for Elijah and what the anointing and the power of God was upon Elijah's life. This is the man who said, I'm not going to leave you because I want to see you when you go and I'm going to, I want a double portion. He said, give me a double portion. And, you know, Elijah said, no, I can't give you that. But if you see me, you can pick it up. You know, you can press in, you can lay hold of it. And this is this man, he had a heart to get hold of everything God has. And he'd given his life for the sons of the prophets and he'd input it into the life of the king and so many people. And yet the sad thing is there was no one hanging on Elisha's coattails saying, give me a double portion of what you have. I think that would have thrilled Elisha if the king hadn't come that day and just fallen apart and said, oh, everything's going so badly and didn't have anything and gave up with three arrows. You know what I think would have thrilled Elisha? Is if the king had come in and said, wow, you're going to be with Jesus. You're going to glory today. 
I want a double portion that's upon your life, Elisha. I think Elisha would have come alive. I think Elisha would have breathed a sigh of relief and we wouldn't have had all this arrow stuff. There would have been a releasing of the power of God and the anointing, but that didn't happen. The king came in and he wasn't saying, give me a double portion. He was going, oh no, everything's falling apart. You know, it's all going to go wrong. And the last chance Elisha had to pass on what he had sadly came to nothing. I don't know why the sons of the prophets weren't surrounding the house at this point, going, Elisha's going to be with the father. Give me a double portion of what's on your life, Elisha. I'm sure Elisha had told those sons of the prophets, I don't know how many times over the 20 years, about that incredible account of the chariots of fire and the mantle falling down and why he was able to pick it up. I reckon he told them that. I reckon he prayed that over their lives. But I don't know why, but they weren't there that day. And the Bible doesn't say that they came and said, give us a double portion. And Elisha died and the anointing went to the grave with Elisha. It's amazing what happened. It's incredible what happened. But I believe God's will is that each of us have the heart of Elisha that says, give me the double portion. We're going all the way back to the start of the series. This incredible passion there was in Elisha. How disappointing this must have been for Elisha to have died not passing it on to anybody. There was no other prophet after Elisha that had that sort of double portion thing. Incredible, really, very, very sad. But I want to encourage you today to learn from this. I've been really challenged by this. To press in and say, God, give me everything you've got for my life. I want to lay hold of it. I'm not going to tap the ground three times and, and then just give up. I'm going to keep firing until there's no more arrows. Then I'm going to make some more and keep firing. And if Elisha is around me and he's about to go, I'm not going to leave until I've laid hold of double what is upon his life. You know what? This whole series to me has been about how we live for the cause. We live for the cause of Christ. I know it hasn't been a series about Jesus or really the gospel, but it's this attitude to absolutely go for it in every circumstance, in every situation, to have a right heart for people and for God. And it's been about the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, how God does incredible miracles, signs and wonders. Make room for the new in your life. Make room for the miracle. Build a room on top of your house. Come on, I want to encourage you today as we close this series to let 2021 and on from here be the greatest season our lives have ever, ever had. Why? Because we put God first. We lay hold of God. We lay hold of the anointing. We're firing arrows. We're doing everything we can to say, come the kingdom of God. Be done the will of God. Will you pray with me today? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I don't know if you're able to do that. If you're driving a car or whatever, please don't. But, you know, if you're in your lounge or you're at home, come on, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we respond to this incredible life of Elisha. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to continue to do an incredible work in our lives, to hone us, to purify us, to transform us, that our lives will be transformed as our minds receive your word. 
Lord, again, we lay hold of this attitude that Elisha had. Lord, heaven forbid that we go to our grave, not passing on what you've given us. Father, I pray for each of us that we find people to impart to, that we find people to inspire, that we find people that we can put our hands on their hands and help them to be everything God's called them to be. Father, I pray that there is something so influential that you do about our lives, that we influence our generation in the most incredible way. Not for our glory, but for your kingdom. Father God, that we would raise up an incredible army of, of love and of joy and of praise and worship and of faith, an army that will go through this land displaying the love and the glory of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that that incredible anointing that was upon Elisha's life, we know it is, the presence of God. Father, I pray that that would come upon Citygate Church, that it would come upon myself, that it would come upon all of us. Lord God, that yeah, even our bones would raise people from the dead. But Father, we don't want to take this to the grave. Lord, we want to pour out the joy, the love, the power, the healing, the wholeness, the shalom of God would pour out of our lives. Father, we thank you for it today and we believe we have received it. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide. Help us to walk in the right direction, in the right way, at the right time, firing the right arrows. And Lord, we give our lives today to be a bow, strengthened, oiled, stretched, in order to propel your word into this incredible generation. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen, amen. I wanna ask you, friend, today, huh. and it has to be the most important question to answer in the right way, and that is this. Have you ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? For me, October the 8th, 1984. You've probably heard me say it hundreds of times now. About half past nine in the evening at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon, somebody told me about the love of God, that Jesus died on a cross to give me life. I'd never owned a Bible. I didn't understand it all. I didn't know, I didn't know what Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were. I'd never, I'd probably heard of Isaiah, but I, I, I didn't know any of that. But what hit me like a ton of bricks is this. God loved me and God died for me. The plan of God is incredible. It's not to create a religion, it's to build a family. He said for all of those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord, He gave them the power to become the children of God. I want to encourage you today to give your life to Jesus, to turn away from living independently from Him. The Bible talks about sin, the Bible talks about pride and selfishness and doing your own thing. And you know what? God's created you to live for God and with God. And as a result of that, for eternity in heaven. I know when I gave my life to Jesus in October the 8th, 1984, that day I stepped into the kingdom of God. Heaven is going to be a real place. And I don't have to hope, guess, pray, wonder that I'm going there. I stepped into the kingdom of heaven when I received Jesus as Lord. Things are going to change in eternity, but I know who I belong to. I belong to Almighty God who loved me, 
who gave his only begotten son who died on a cross. Friend, receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You know, perhaps you ask, how do I do that? Very simply, it's an attitude of the heart. It's a decision of your will led by the Holy Spirit, which I know is working on your life right now. So why don't you pray this prayer out loud, out of your mouth to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Come on, why don't you pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. I thank you that you've demonstrated your love through sending your son to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for paying the price for all of my sin. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And I receive you today as my Lord my Saviour and my friend. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, you've just given your life to Jesus. I believe the Bible says you have got a brand new start. You've got a new start. We sing about that here. God's given you a new start in your life. There's going to be other steps. We're going to encourage you to get a Bible and to, you know, get involved in the church. If you're anywhere near Citygate, we'd love to see you here on a socially distant Sunday right now with masks on and everything else. But we'd love to see you. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Why don't you tell us on the chat? I think someone's going to talk to you about that now. But friend, I want to encourage whoever you are right now. Come on, let's walk tall in this life. Let's do everything we can to help make other people's lives great and to introduce people to the saving love of Jesus Christ. God bless you and I'll see you next time.